Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist presented by Virginia Family Therapy. Guys, it is just me, Amanda, today. Um, Sarah and Caroline are out, and we are doing a very exciting and special episode with my old friend, Jason Frischman, around fatherhood which could not be a more topical and exciting conversation because I think on our podcast, we do so much talking about women and Jason has some amazing thoughts on fatherhood and, and I'm just excited for you guys to hear it. So let me introduce Jason real quick. Jason is a clinical psychologist. He has his PsyD in clinical psych with specialties in narrative and adventure therapy and he has 25 years of experience working with boys, men, and families. Jason lives in Vermont. We met probably 20 years ago at uh, at Wadiko, which is a camp for kids that are having a really hard time. I would say I watch. Jason was older than me, um, and is still older than me, I guess. But I just <laughs> watching him work, Jason. This is true. Like you are so fun. You are like the most fun with kids and families and staff. And it is truly an inspiration to watch you work. So I am really honored to like have you here 20 years later and to learn so much more from you. I'm going to cry. I cry all the time. (laughs) It's fine. Um, So welcome, Jason. (laughs) Jason's making faces at me on Zoom so that I don't cry, which is great. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here, though. I was so looking forward to this. I'm so glad you reached out. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is great. And guys, here's the real reason that I have Jason on, which is because Jason has created this group coaching program for fathers. It's called the Journeyman Foundation. And Jason, can you just start with what you're focusing on? Because it sounds really important and I don't want to mess it up. So what are you focusing on at Journeyman? To be really succinct, what my favorite thing to do around fatherhood is to help guys connect at home. Right. And so hopefully we'll get to this, but for a long time, the story of fatherhood and masculinity was around how we go out into the world and and do shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And what, especially now after, you know, what's going on in the world today and, and, and where we are, men need support and we, we need to evolve the story of who we are and what we are and what we do at home. And so what we focus on in the Journeyman Foundation is really understanding what's most important to us individually. You know, so every father has a chance to sort of individualize this work for themselves within the, the framework and the coursework that we do um, and then apply it to at home with practical actions and and applications where they are going to connect with their kids. They're going to connect with their partners and they'll in the time they already have, because we're already, you know, so busy and stretched, you know, using the things they already have to get done, doing the dishes, you know, cleaning the bathroom, those kind of things, bringing more meaning and value out so that we're more energized, we're more connected and we're more present at home. 
I love that. And I know it's perfect. <laughs> I'm just like, even as you're thinking, because I'm thinking as you're saying this, I specialize in women, right? So I did my, I got my PhD in clinical psych and I really devoted, I wrote my dissertation on adolescent girls and programming for teenage girls. And I specialize in teenage girls. So to learn so much about men, I'm particularly excited about it. So I want to start with just the question, like, what is the hardest part about being a dad? What do you think it is? And what have you found from your, from your work? Mm. It's, I, I love, I both love and hate that question, right? Because one of the things that I've said is if I'm absolutely 100% honest in my work and in my office, the answer to every question is it depends, Oh yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. to ask the question of what's the one big thing is a really hard one. That being said, after you know 20 years of, of talking to guys, I think the overarching difficulty that I hear is finding our place, right? How do we use the time that we have both in the, in the house and out of the house? Um, how do we stay present with the focus of what our priorities and our time are, right? So, you know, understanding kind of what I as a father need to do to both help and support the rest of my family, myself, and move us forward in this adventure of, of family development and, and, and mm -hmm. challenges, right? We want to raise good humans, mm -hmm. right? We want to be connected and intimate with our wives or partners. And we want to like kind of be the hero for our kids, right? We want to be the mentor, the guide, the facilitator. We want to kind of do it all. And at the same time, we're trying to, you know, either work or stay at home. Either way, I think fathers are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a man or a father in today's society because things have changed and things are um, where I believe we're in a massive turning point and we have sort of a responsibility with the help of our partners to re-engage and redefine what this means. So one quick thing is I ask this question a lot and I hear it asked a lot is, well, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? What is the most important thing about masculinity? And I would find that every single answer without, without question, if I were to take gender out of it, I would say, well, isn't that important for any, important for any adult who's raising children? Well, that's that honestly, as you were saying that I was like, how is this uh, significantly different than motherhood, right? It's a very, who. it's like, who are we? What's our role? What's yeah. important to us? Like, what are the most important things to who we want to be in our families, right? Absolutely. And, and so the difference between um, motherhood or fatherhood in, with this context is that we each, you know, mothers and fathers have different cultural stories that we are, you know, trying to live up to or trying to move away from, or like there's different contexts and different contextual stories that fathers and mothers are sort of raised in mm -hmm. that make those similar challenges more difficult or, or the, the difference comes from the context that we're in, right? So yes, all adults who are raising children and, and in a family have this, who are we? What's our role? What's our responsibility? How do we uh, support, provide, nurture, nourish, like it's all, all adults need to do that. Mm -hmm. As a father, I come up with, I come through, I, I, I grew up, you know, in, in this culture, in American culture, you know, I grew up in, in, oh, well, a couple of decades ago. And, um, wait, where did you grow up? I grew up outside of New York city. 
Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Right. So, so actually, to contextualize that, right? Like, I grew up in a Jewish New York City suburb. Okay. Well, in a New York City suburb in a Jewish culture, right? And so that is kind of what I bring to it. And yet, after studying and working with men for the last twenty years or so, there is a a murmured story and context about what it means to be a man. Now, there's difference. It's not one, but if I want to be a father. I have to do it either reinforced or supported by that story or in opposition to that story. Yes. And I have to make choices. And that leaves me with like, oh, what the hell am I going to do here? And wait, can I interrupt you really quickly? Yeah, of course. Please do. <laughs> so because you sound really smart. You sound so smart, but I want to make sure. So part of what Jason is saying is that essentially we are raised in families, right? We are raised in families and a lot of how we we parent and a lot of how we we think about parenting is how it was done in our families of origin right when i think about what kind of mom i want to be i'm either trying to do it just like my mom which actually in a lot of ways i am um or i'm like not doing it that way like certainly not taking that on right and so our perspective is very much rooted in how we were raised and the culture within how we were raised is that is that right Absolutely. And I would just add that it's our parents and also everything else. We, you know, like we, we you and I are similar. I'm, I'm older, but we're similar ages. So we grew up with probably similar, similar sitcoms, you know, yes. similar media and movie depiction of, of, of gender roles um, where, you know, the, the time we grew up in from our family to the larger perspective, larger cultural influence has had a big impact in who we are and how we see ourselves. Right. So I'm a narrative person. I love story, you know, so I use metaphor all the time. And what this is, what we're talking about is our backstory, <laughs> our history mm -hmm. impacts who we are today, either unless or because of, our, of how intentional we are, right? How, how thoughtful we are around how much our backstory impacts us is really important, especially today, because on this journey, Right, I truly believe we're on this journey, and and as as humans, as individuals, as parents, and as a family, we're on a journey. It's hard. It's easy to get off the path. Absolutely, right? and it's yeah. easy to. It's and it's also similarly, it's easy to stay on a path that we don't want to be on. Mm -hmm. Right. So the idea is about choosing and and building a path for ourselves with with the help and and assistance of our partners and friends and communities, etc. So that's saying, essentially, I was raised with a certain idea based on my family and the culture around me, and I can either choose to go with it or I can choose something different. Is that about right? Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. Intentionality. <laughs> I, yeah. And that actually, Jason, that really resonates with me. I don't know if you know this, but I wasn't raised really with a dad. And so, hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I had a dad. It, it wasn't like the best relationship. And he probably left when I was like eight. And so the concept of fatherhood for me is kind of complicated. And so I can either do everything just like my mom, which was which is raising a family on my own, right? Really raising a family on my own with my community, or I can intentionally make space for a father, which is what I want, right? So yeah. I have that's something that I am constantly thoughtful about. Um, and that's because I'm a therapist, I think, and because I have friends who kind of always call me out on it sometimes that help me keep that front of mind. 
I keep that front of mind. And I wonder if keeping that front of mind is easier for me as a woman. I don't know. You tell me because I have tons of, I go out with my girlfriends and I talk about what does it mean to be a mother? What does it mean to be a partner? What does it mean? How do I balance all of these pieces? And I wonder a lot of times my girlfriends will say like, where are my husbands doing this? Like, are they having these conversations? Like they have them with me, but are they having them with other people? So can you talk about that? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. I, I, that question about where is, or where are these conversations being held is one of the foundational reasons I, I wanted to do this. Right. I have, a very busy practice where I'm in the office. Well, right now I'm telehealth, but you know, and I'm working with men and I'm often working with men one-on-one. And I've, I started to feel like no matter how powerful of a session I had, as soon as this guy walked out of my room Mm -hmm. and back into a culture in a society that doesn't support some of these things, you know, 25% of our gains were erased the moment he leaves this threshold of my office. And that's where I've decided and really wanted to say, all right, let's build a community. Men need community in in a much broader and deeper way than we've ever really acknowledged, at least in recent times. And Mm so, you know, I'll just share like, more than a few times, I have had men in my office say, you know, if my wife left me, I'd have no one to tell. Oh, Jason. And to really underline and highlight your point, absolutely. I don't know where men would do this other than creating and building communities and create, you know, and that's happening. It is happening more and more, but ever so slowly. And that's where, you know, we talked about this earlier and, and, you know, I'm sure we will get to it again, but truly building and growing communities of fathers is sort of a social responsibility. It's activism. It's something we need to do to help change the larger context of what's been going on in our society and our culture. So why is it so hard? Right? Like, why is it so hard for men to build those communities and, and have those conversations? Mm. You know, I, I, the easy answer would to say that, you know, culturally, we've never been taught that. We haven't been encouraged to do that. There's been a, a cultural ethos that says, you know, man up, step up, do what needs to be done, you know, like getting emotional training, emotional experience and, and um, sharing and vulnerability are not things that have been encouraged. I think that's an easy answer because it's true, mm-hmm. but it's also oversimplified, right? We have a much larger story that I think comes from a long history of you know, this idea that men have certain responsibilities and outside of that, you know, we don't need to do it. We can, we can wipe our hands with that. And it is harmful to everyone. And it's also really harmful to men who have feelings, (laughs) you know, who, who truly have real feelings and real thoughts. And, and so how does it happen? Um, One thing I would say, and, and certainly I'd love to talk more about this, but we tend to get overwhelmed with messages. So the message that I love, you know, you mentioned your dissertation. My dissertation was centered around something called the hero's journey, Mm -hmm. which is a narrative that people have studied. And it's really, you know, most people, if you haven't heard that phrase, will know what I'm talking about, right? The hero goes and is called into another realm and battles a dragon and saves the the damsel in distress and gets the treasure and then comes home and like saves the village, right? 
That story has been used for 50 years to explain development, male development, particularly. Um, it's in all of our movies. It's in all of our blockbusters. It's, you know, Pixar uses it as literally, I, I, I've seen their notes, right? They use it to develop every single one of their movies and it sells, right? Mm -hmm. It's seen, it's been toted as the, you know, the guy who came up with it called it the monomyth, right? The single myth that is all about our development. And I think that's really wrong. It's actually incredibly harmful to men because it basically tells us that unless we're legendary, unless we're doing epic things, we're not worth anything. And while that hero is off battling the dragon, what about all the people who are keeping the fires burning, keeping the gardens growing, changing diapers, you know, um, nurturing and tending to the community? Isn't that heroic? Isn't that magical? Isn't that important? Right. And mm -hmm. we've the most that those things ever get in the media that we consume is maybe a three minute montage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and think about the short shrift that that happens. So it's a bigger issue, but we're not as men trained and, and taught and, and are given stories to connect on this level and to share this level like this idea you said you get together with your female friends and talk about this right the every week yeah yeah you know, every and, week. and the equivalent is guys getting together at a pub you know well i'm or, at a pub too jason don't worry oh yeah <laughs> but it, oh, you know sure <laughs> but it's the you know i would I would dare assume that the level of conversation is, is uh, well, let me give you a quick, quick, quick example is I have a dear friend who I've been friends with since we were about 11 years old. He is the closest thing to a brother that I have in many ways. We have gone through a many, many, many things. Yeah. It was till we were in our 20s or 30s that we could say, I love you to one another. And even then, it was, I love you, man. Yeah. Right? And then it developed into, well, I love you, brother. Yeah. And then it, it took until my 40s till I could say very truly, I love you. And this is a guy who we have done, we have had, you know, every adventure known to, you know, you know known to masculinity together. We've done that. We've seen each other's kids. We've, you know, we've been, you know, and even then. And then after one of the, the Journeyman Foundation meetings, he's actually in it, um, him and another guy and I stayed after to talk for a little while. When we got off, all three of us were like, all right, great, we got to go, I love you. And we all got off the phone and I texted them and I realized like, we all just said, I love you more easily than our fathers have ever told us. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, it's, and, and I will add, just because, you know, for anyone who's listening, these two guys that I was talking to are some of the strongest men I know. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like taking away the strength and the power and the, the presence of men. It's literally about making it even more deep and meaningful and grounded. Well, and I even that really resonated with me because I'm raising, you know, three boys and I, my youngest tells his brothers, he loves them all the time. And my oldest We'll say it sometimes to the youngest, but the older two, I think, have gotten a little too old to say, I love you to each other. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, they're 10 and seven, and that's already kind of permeating. You know, it's something that I'm working on really actively because I can see it happening. Yeah. 
you know, in working with men, one of the, I, I often ask like, you know, what's the goal for you and your kids? And one guy said to me, and, and, and I love this, it was so powerful. He said to me, my goal is, is that when he's, he, you know, his kid is three now, when my kid is 13, he'll want to hold my hand in the same way as my three-year-old does. And when he's 23, he'll want to sit in my lap in the same way. And it's, it's, you know, for a guy to say that is really powerful. Yeah. Jason and I are both crying now. It's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. So can you talk to me more about this hero's journey? Because I hear you talk about that hero figure a lot. And, and so what I'm hearing is that in the movies, in the scripts that we give men, it's about them being alone and being the saviors and doing things independently to take care of other people. So if that's not the vision, what are the other options? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Um, originally, I called this model Adventure's Other Half. Oh. Because the hero's journey is not, I, I'm not calling it out as incorrect. I just don't think it's the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and to be clear, you know, often that narrative of the hero's journey does include the hero having a group of people supporting him or her, you know, uh, but there's an issue even in, in using gender for that. But um, but going off and leaving the community, there are people who who support the hero's journey um, and and offer help and assistance and all of those things. But it is often a very individualized uh, pursuit. Mm -hmm. Right. The way I'll talk about it is like, you know, in sort of mythology, right, you have the hero who's battling a dragon. We don't hear about the fact that in order to battle a dragon with a sword, you need hours and hours of sword practice, right? Mm -hmm. Give me a sword and put me in front of a dragon, I'm dead, <laughs> right? Unless I've had these other more potent, I think, potent, unless I experience the other half of adventure, which I call foundational adventures. And so the idea of having a foundational adventure that correlates or, or um, corresponds with the other half of the hero's journey is that we recognize and understand what our calling is. We recognize and understand what our values are. Mm -hmm. And then we take mundane actions that express our core values in a way that is challenging, right? It's really interesting. I might say, yeah, I'll go out and, you know, battle a dragon, but it's really hard for me to commit to cleaning the toilet every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the most mundane of action. But if I can have the grit, if I can have the wherewithal to use, well, to use the toilet example as something poignant is um, if I can find a way to have that simple action be an expression of my values, an expression of meaning making. Right. If it can make it important. Then how much stronger am I going to be when I have an opportunity to have a hero's journey or to have, you know, the idea that the people who are around me are, are, are my, that's my, my adventure is, is really committing to being to these choices I've made. You know, I've, I've gotten personally, I've gotten married. I have two boys, right? That is inevitably more important to me than anything else. It's mm -hmm. a choice I made. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stay at home and do everything, right? I want them to know about what I'm doing when I leave, I, you know, the, the language that I use and, and all of the choices that I make, if I attempt, I'm not always as successful with it, but if I am attempting to making it intentional and 
um, values backed, then I can turn it meaningful. And then, you know, the piece that uh, I'm, I'm jumping all over, but the one other piece that I think is really important to distinguish between the hero's journey and my foundational journeys is that we're taught that big things are important, epic, legendary things are important. And, you know, they are. Yet we're also taught, taught that those things are important to the exclusion of the small things. Mm -hmm. And what I think is important in foundational adventures is we elevate the status of the smallest things, right? When I say to people, you know, it's important to connect to your kids and they say, oh, great, all right, I'll take Friday off and we'll go fishing. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yes. But, you know, I've shared the example that I have said the exact 12 words to both of my sons every day of their life before bedtime without 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 fail. If mm -hmm. I've been away for a few days, I've left it each individual day on a piece of paper that they could read or I've called them. But the exact same words every single day, and I've timed it, it takes less than three seconds. I love you for always and forever. You are my sweet one. Every single day without love that. fail. And it takes less than three seconds even if we are mad at each other, even if we are like angry with each other, and even if I don't want to do it, mm -hmm. <laughs> I will do that no matter what. It's a commitment I made to myself. And with that three second daily practice, we have built a strong foundation that even if we're a mess, even if we exploded each other, that brings us home. And so that is a, a foundational adventure. It's not epic. It's not legendary, but it is absolutely foundational to the fact that I am guiding my children to know what's really important. It is based on a core value of mine. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because I know that the research really supports what you're saying, which is that the foundational adventures, the little, the little stuff is actually more meaningful to a family and a relationship than those heroes' journeys. For instance, marriages are significantly happier when men do the dishes. By the way, I'm going to get the research a little wrong. I'm not going to say it exactly right. But the idea... Yeah. Now, to be honest with you, it doesn't have to be exactly doing the dishes. But the idea that men are participating in household tasks makes a marriage happier statistically. Additionally, mm -hmm. just, you know, like a little thing of how you greet your partner when they walk in the door, it's kind of like a six second, if it's like a six second embrace or any sort of, hey, how are you? How was your day? Those are the foundational pieces of a marriage and a relationship that add up over time and create the underlying foundation almost to be able to have a hero's journey, right? Like you can't Absolutely. have a hero's journey if you don't feel safe underneath. And I think what you're saying is we don't have the scripts and we don't have the models for those foundational journeys for men. Now, but why Absolutely. is that? Is that because the men of like our fathers, right? Our fathers, are we saying that that generation didn't do it? Or are we just saying that that wasn't on TV? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's a great comment. Um, I would say a little bit of both. I think that it's not just our fathers. It's our father's fathers. There's been mm -hmm. a, you know, there's there's been a lot of research. It's something that I spend a lot of time reading about, but really how intergenerationally we've passed down gender roles and gender expectations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you said, and you're absolutely right, like we don't have scripts, we don't have stories for that. The fascinating thing is that there 
there are stories for that. There are folk tales for that. There are, you know, teaching tales for that. They don't get told, right? There, if I started listing some of them right now, you'd never have heard of, right? Mm -hmm. There's people who are researching and finding them and going, oh my, like, if you think about it, fairy tales, Uh fairy tales are for children, right? We know that. And who are the men that are depicted in fairy tales? They're either the patriarchal king who rules supreme or the villain. Yes. Right. Yes. That's the depiction of men in, in, in fairy tales. Young men are depicted as princes who are off to, you know, save the damsel. Mm-hmm. You know, they are teaching certain things to, to, to children that I think are important. But where are the tales for men? Where are the tales that for both young boys and girls that present a different story of what mature men look like? I think what you're saying is exciting because I think that, at least for me, I know that I spend tons of time giving my kids stories of women, like strong women. You know, Pixar and Disney are doing that now. They've got Brave. They've got Moana, right? They they are really taking that to task, which I appreciate. But I think what you're saying is we haven't quite hit those stories for men yet. And so you want to give another vision. So can you actually talk to me about how how teaching men these skills and utilizing a different way of connecting in their homes is social activism? Because I get real excited when you talk about that, Jason. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, I think there's a lot of different levels. So I, I'll try to be, you know, I, I get a little disorganized about it because I just love this piece so much. But, you know, to start with, you know, men have a lot of responsibility for our culture today. You know, let's just put that out there. I believe that. And as a result of patriarchal tendencies, not necessarily specific men, but patriarchal tendencies, women and people of color have been horribly damaged for generations. So the first part is, I believe that as a man, I have a real responsibility to to do something about that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things would be if I can more compassionately and foundationally connect with my children, then I'm sending children off into a better world because of that. And they are getting the models and the stories for helping to repair the world in a different way, to be in the world a different way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I do say that, you know, every time a man is connecting it on this foundational level, it is changing the world, right? Because we can do that First, starting in our homes, right? By being aware of the words we use, the media we consume, the language that we share. Um, As a very small but important example, when my first son was an infant, I would, you know, my wife is also a therapist, um, but the practical reality is she's a master's level, I'm a doctorate level, so I was making more, right? Mm -hmm. So we decided that it would be important. She stayed at home with the kids and I went off to work. I went off to the office, actually, this is my point, mm-hmm. is we made a very solid decision, an intentional decision that we would never say, Papa's going to work. Oh, I love that. Because what does that suggest? Mm-hmm. That Mama's staying at home and not working, mm-hmm. right? So this foundational journey that we went on was around language. We said, it's really important. And we, and you know, my kid was an infant. He didn't get it but we corrected other adults around our kids. We made this something that was important because we said, I am going to the office. Mama is staying home. We're both working. 
And it is really important to us that that's one of our values that we saw that. Particularly for me, I was like, I can't believe I do all this work. And now I'm like in a stereotypical gender role. I'm the one going off and get, but we had to do it differently because we wanted to make it important for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how is it social activism? Well, for one, I shared that. I talked about it. For two, my kid who's 13 now, I think has a fundamentally different experience of what both going to an office and working at home, doing homework means and is valued. How, how the, I think my older son has a fundamentally different understanding, mm-hmm. which then allows him to be in the world in a different way. Can I say one thing about this too is I didn't have the experience growing up of kind of when your dad comes home, everyone's excited to see the dad when they come home from work, right? And I would see it in movies and be like, well, that's not what I'm experiencing. And that's crazy. But when I had kids and I was home with my kids and you see that moment where the husband comes home from work and as a mom, you are so tired and like, thank goodness there's another adult, right? That is the hero's journey. That moment reinforces it because I also was feeling it too. So we were all excited for, for dad to come home from work. And so, so I actually understood that in a different way as a mom than I have ever understood it before because I was excited. Mm. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that it is, and can be seen as the hero's journey, right? Dad goes off and does something and comes back with like the hunt, right? The meat, the, you know, like the conquered dollar or whatever it is. I would actually argue that it isn't necessarily the hero's journey. It's more of a, um, you know, in a foundational way, it is this understanding that we all have equal roles. We make decisions and choices about mm-hmm. that role. I'm not going off to save the family. I'm doing my part. But it felt like a hero. A thousand percent. And that's part of what I think is, is that the more we delve into foundational experiences, the more heroic we are with the more mundane things we achieve. Right? I so totally it's energizing. Agree with you. Yes. A million percent. Right. Yes. And then to like what you're saying is, is how the father, you know, how the husband, how the, you know, the guy comes home and that doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the woman is off. I I certainly, I know we're talking in a very stereotypical way, but Mm -hmm. you know, in your case, like in you're saying, in, in my case, how I come home and enter the house is another touch point to really create sort of an intentional bookmark in your story, right? Mm -hmm. You have a chance, like, how do I walk in? When I walk in at times, and, you know, even now when both of us are sort of working in the office, even now, three out of the five days, my wife stops earlier to get the kids from school. So I come down a little later. Mm -hmm. When I either come down or I come to the front door, for me, I want to stop. And like, look in first for a few minutes. And Mm -hmm. I know that everyone's waiting for me to get in there. Uh But I want to do that because I want to take stock of what's going on inside. I want to not walk in and be like, all right, the hero's here. I'm ready to take over, right? Like, you know, I I think that the expectation, right? You were wanting that, you know, it's sort of like, I remember like my my wife would be exhausted and I'd walk in, she'd just hand me the baby, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, hold on, you know, can I have 10 minutes to crap for a minute? Like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and I, I, I have joked around this is a little bit inappropriate, but I've joked around that, like, the ideal fathers for the work that I'm doing are tired of getting hemorrhoids because they're hiding in the bathroom as long as they <laughs> I love that. 
Yeah. You know, because we don't want to hide. We want to be there and we want to be present. But we also like, no, like, all right, great. I'm coming in. I'm excited to see the kids. I'm excited to see you, honey. And I also just spent all day working, too. And yep. so we have to be in partnership in a different way, you know, and that involves creating these foundational connections that are understanding, that are communicated and that are intentional. I mean, you're going to be mad at me when I say this, probably not really, because I'm, but I'm a little bit like, man, isn't that a nice luxury to be able to take five minutes of time before you walk in the house to parent, right? Because that, that to me would seem like a luxury sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a, pri- it's a privilege for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think, but I think that what we're saying is at least we need to be to be able to have conversations about it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, yes. and the other piece, Jason, what I really like about what you're saying about this being social activism is that I know when my when Robert, who is so supportive of me in in this role as I'm like learning, guys, I'm practicing saying that I'm a CEO, just so everyone knows I've practiced it on a podcast now. So but the more connected he is, the more I have the space and room to lead. And and I personally, because I do my research on women, know that that women in leadership roles tend to help communities in, in a large way. And we tend to help, we we help with the stratification and make that stratification a little smaller. And we tend to be more a little egalitarian in how we lead. And so to me, to be able to go into the workforce. And have that. And that is a luxury, I guess, if we're saying like, I'm so excited to be able to have that flexibility to do that. I feel like it's helping our society and our community. And I'm thankful to Robert for being able to be present with our kids so I can do that. Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, exactly what you're saying around it being sort of a a privilege to be able to take that five minutes. Um, you know, I have a joke. I, I do a lot of homework or, you know, offering uh, strategies and tactics to guys. And I often say, I don't want them for the most part to take any more than three minutes. And people have asked me like, why, why, why three minutes? And I said, try this. The next time you go into the bathroom, whatever you're doing, stay for three more minutes and notice if you're missed. You won't be. It is a, an act, like you will be missed, of course, but I'm just saying like that three and it, only if you keep it to three minutes, not 20 minutes of scrolling through Instagram. But I'm uh-huh. saying like, if you stay like we have, if you don't have three minutes to breathe, then we have other issues and that's okay. We can work on those. Uh-huh. But the reality is, is that let's say not five, but if I stay outside and watch inside for three more minutes, I think, and I have experienced and I've seen men say this. That that three minutes will, you know, for the ROI, for the return on the investment, you'll get at least an hour's worth of more presence, of increased presence, of increased support and increased connection and partnership. I a million percent agree with that. And I think it extends to women too. I do the same thing with my working with with moms in general. If you get three minutes and you can set your intention for how you want to be when you walk in that house and what types of how you want to be in your relationships with the people in your home, you will get that return on investment. I a million percent agree. Absolutely. Okay, y'all. Oh, wait, before I go, how can people find you? Oh, I don't know if you do show notes so that way people can read it, but the best way to do that is uh, I have an Instagram account, which is just Jason S. Frischman. I have an email, which is jason at nourishedconnections.com. 
and I have an active Facebook page, which is, you know, it's Nourished Connections on Facebook. And I, I, I'll leave all those links for you as well. They'll all be in the show notes, y'all. They'll be pretty easy to find. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Bye, y'all. <laughs>